Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It's another podcast this week because I've got a very, very special guest for you. I, I shouldn't really call you a guest, should I? That's like a special guest. The man, this is <laughs> it, you know it, it's the man, the legend. He is, he is back. Back from your, what is it, one listener called it a fancy job the other day. Like, <laughs> Something like that. Tickled you out, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just because I, I wish they could see me on a day-to-day basis to know how really fancy it was. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's nice. It feels normal. It's um, like returning home. It's a bit weird, isn't it? A little bit, but not not hugely. It's, it kind of feels right. The only weird part is that it's like 30 degrees outside and I'm sat sweating indoors. But... <laughs> it's, uh, I was going to say, yeah, it has only been like 10 years of us. Nearly 10 years. How, how long is it now? Is it 10 years yet? Not uh, I think it will be very soon. I think it was around, we were just saying Gareth Bale's moved to Real Madrid, which is 2013, I think. There you go. Nearly. Very soon. We'll do something special for the 10th year anniversary. We, we mean, we won't, will we? But uh, you know. <laughs> We'll talk about it and we'll make plans about it and then we'll never follow through on it. How, how are you getting on anyway, mate? Get up and down the up and down the country? Fine, thank you. Yeah, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Enjoying um, it? Massively so, yeah. Massively so. It's uh, it's fun. It's like doing this, but all the time. So I can't complain really. See so up and down the country, but you're still, you know, you're still, you're still following Spurs, right, mate? Is it is it difficult following Spurs? To be honest, while you're sort of no, it's it's no, it's an escape. It's I, it's hard if if games overlap, then it's difficult. Yes, but um, I still have an eye on the score and stuff popping through to me watch or phone or whatever. So. I'm never far away from knowing what's going on. It's hard watching as much as usually as I usually would because if I'm sort of at home or something on a day off, then I try and spend some time with my wife to avoid divorce rather than putting more football in. But um, every now and then I can I can watch a game and, and justify that. So uh, it's good. It's good. I try, I try and get to a few as well now as well, um, which is good. Um, and a, and a bonus of doing the job I do is, is being able to go and watch Spurs, so it's good. Just give it a few more years, mate, and you'll be uh, doing the job you're doing now for Spurs anyway. That's my prediction. And I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to. One of one of my uh, former colleagues and, and close friends has, uh, has gone to Spurs, and it's something we've joked about, but I'd, I couldn't do it um, because I, I think I'd be fired within a week for saying something I ought not to have done um, and just being too much of a fan. Um, and to be honest, I... It's nice having Spurs as, as something to support and still have a bit of a bit of mythos and, and sanctuary, sort of escape, yeah, escapism to it all, and not looking behind the cart at the curtain too much and knowing how the sausages made. I kind of I want to keep that a little bit precious if I can, um, and still have that 
escapism of, of being a fan and, and it being a little bit separate and a little bit special. Are you uh, are you, are you hitting him up yet for for like discount and stuff like that <laughs> in the Spurs shop? Get that wavy new third kit. Yeah, I mean. he's only just turned up, so I can't I can't rinse it too much. Oh fuck it, don't matter. Just just tell him to do it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I do really like the third kit, though. I really like the third kit. It's all right, isn't it? Although, I do feel like it's a bit of a copy-paste job of a training kit we had a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's it 100% is. And it's got the same colour as the, the one with the collars on that we had the other year as well. That was really nice. Um, funny story about that, actually. I, I got that kit, but my missus, my missus bought me it out of the blue. But she's kind of not knowing kits or, or football too well. She just assumed that the most expensive one would be the best one, which it is, but didn't account for the fact that I do not have the build of a Premier League footballer. <laughs> so it, although it was the right size and everything, it comes and it's skin tight and it's all this Nike mesh material and stuff. I look like Michelin man in it and whatever and just like played <laughs> on every different, something I'm self-conscious about on every level. Um, and I was like, I can't, I really appreciate buying me this and I know how expensive it was, but this is going back because I'm, I'm never wearing this. And she was like, oh, all right, that's fine. I'll get you the other one. I didn't know and the other one had sold out, so I don't actually have that kit. But oh, what is what it is? It's, it's do you know, I tell you what, this the whole kind of stadium versus elite kit thing. See, the only thing that sort of irritated me about it is because I was always one of those that was like, all right, it's just a typical gammon, moral panic, complaining about the expensive elite kit. Just get the stadium kit. Those are the normal kits. They just kind of call it two different things. It's Nike giving everyone an option. But I've noticed like the past couple of replica stadium kits I've got. They're actually shite now. Like they, they're like plastic bags. They don't have any vents on them. They're not in any way. You know, it's not something. I used well, to. Well, always... they want you to buy the other thing, don't they? Well, that's it. You know, so stop making them like Cadbury's cream egg wrappers. Do you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> yeah, I just I can't I can't bring myself to buy like two or three XL. You know, like I'm sort of like comfortably like, right, well, I can get into XL. I know there's there's a bigger size out there, so I'm not like, I'm not the biggest going, but. Now I'm like, fucking hell, like, because that story you said there, I'm just like, well, I probably would have to get like the biggest one and it'd still be like Moob Central, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just, it's, it's just, it's not good for your self-confidence, is it? Especially it's on a white a white kit, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not great, but it's what it is. I actually got, um, I got a basket, uh, not basketball, baseball shirt when I was in America in the summer. Um, and that's brilliant. It's like a button-up thing. It's one of the most breathable things I've ever had. Um, it probably cost as much as like an expensive football kit would cost, but it just the fitting of it and stuff and the way it's made and everything. I love it. I wander around in that thing all the time and it's very comfortable and, and practical to be wearing. So I'm, I'm all for that. I reckon we'll, Spurs will start making all that type of stuff soon. Won't oh, we've they, already got the NFL shit, haven't we? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I thought, I thought they did one, didn't they? Like a... Yeah, we had the NFL one, so definitely Kane on the back. So, yeah, I mean, you should sort of think it'll be a matter of time and uh, do you see the shop the other day with all the lady gaga merch in it as well yeah. <laughs> no i didn't i don't care do you, do you, I, if I, you get wound up about that you're not allowed to be happy about us signing eight players or whatever it is in the summer like you don't get one without the other it's, it's the that's the the compromise you make uh in order to try and compete and try and be somewhat financially viable as an entity You've got to do this sort of stuff, or you're Barcelona. So, fucking hell, there. I mean, they're a disgrace, but I, don't, I, I can't be arsed with them. It's one of the weirdest things in sport, isn't it? Just like, have you seen they, this? Their own league isn't allowed to <laughs> <laughs> register have, their own players they bought. 
Have you seen this NFT blockchain shit that they've announced today? Some other bent way of like making money from no money. Is this the 85 million that they've somehow found the next day? Something I don't know. I have no idea, but it's just, it's depressing. It's depressing seeing a club like that kind of turn into just another modern football institution, isn't it? Just this. Yeah, they've completely undone all the more than a club stuff and all that. Everyone's from the academy and everything. That, all of that Guardiola stuff is the complete antithesis of that now, which is a little bit sad, but probably inevitable. Shite, no. Right, fuck Barcelona. Anyway, Tottenham Hotspur. It's been a while since we've spoken, mate. How uh, no, It's not. It's been a while what? since we've spoken on, on here. here. We text here. all the time. I don't yeah, want people to think that we're yeah, like, no, constantly I'm, bothering each other. Talking about on here, though, you know. Yes. And yes. Uh, we haven't. We the people. Haven't heard your opinions on like what's going. What were you thinking? Going, I think they're glad for that as well. Go, but, um, going into this season, how were you feeling about it? Um, I was sort of really intrigued as to what we'd do because it was such a. We've seen this before where we build the promise and you know, this so and so's here. He needs to be backed. We we'll do this. We'll do that, and then the sort of the practicality of the situation and the reality of everything and, and who we are in the food chain and everything kind of kicks in and we sort of, we do one or two and we we sort of go, you know, 70, 80%, 60% of the way toward what we had envisaged might be best case scenario. But to be fair to Conte, he's, his reputation and whatever he's demanded in reputation with Paratici and, and all that sort of stuff and, and all that seems to have, come into a window where we're doing as much business as I think we've ever seen us do, but also business that makes sense, um, sort of addressing issues that we can see were issues and, and doing it in a in a timely manner, in a in a manner that doesn't seem to be like expenses are being spared. Levy's done his whole, you know, putting more money into the club and making a, a real point of having done so and, and making a show of it. And I think that, you know, if you contate the the start of the summer and him now, you, you can't really have any doubts about whether or not you've been backed or your vision is, is you know, being looked after. He, he's been put in as, as best a position as possible for him to succeed and play the type of football he wants to do and achieve the type of things he wants to do. And, and they don't look like they're, they're finished yet. So it's it's been a, a pleasant surprise and, and a welcome change. It's sort of it's something we've, we've talked about for a long time is, you know, we... We talked the talk about wanting to be a big club and, mm. and now we're actually starting to walk the walk. And it, that athletic piece the other day that was, you know, kind of sent around Fabio Paratici kind of said that he that's exactly what he's been aiming to do with the club, the wearing the suits, the games, having a branded bus, all that sort of stuff that just kind of all the big clubs do because that's what big clubs do. He's he's enforced it and, and wants us to have all that as well. So it's it's nice. It's, it's We'll see what happens on the pitch. It started well first game in, but, you know, we were what almost top of the league by Christmas under Mourinho that year. So we know how quickly these things can turn around. It's proper signings though, isn't it? You know, it was only, it wasn't even that long ago that we were Everton that was losing Richarlison to a team in the tier above us to, you know, a Carrick to United or Berbatov to United even. Yeah, must you know? so. And this idea that, you know, because I've seen some sort of disappointment around the kind of Richarlison signing. Oh, you know, he's not, he's not as good as Kane or he's, I mean, but that's it's not the point, is it? Like he's still one of the best players in the league. We've seen him kind of drag Everton over the line, and the fact we've now got 
a, a forward three that if people are staying too kind of close to Keane or Keane, Kane or Son, they've got Kulisewski to deal with now. And if yeah. we've got Richarlison that can come off the bench as well, especially in a game like Chelsea, like he's going to be absolutely loving sort of shit hours and in that. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm just really positive about it. I think it's, to me, it's it's better that we haven't gone out and gotten this marquee signing. Do you know what I mean? Like this, but this is what people are sort of slightly concerned about that we didn't manage to get the Bastoni, you know, like a big centre back marquee, eighty million pounds or whatever across the line. But to me, it feels like we've just done really smart business. Like our squad, like we're we're drowning in options all over all over the pitch, and that's always the whole like you were saying like that's always a hallmark of a big club of one of the serious teams one of the serious outfits and i th- i th- i thought that you know i th- i really feel that we saw that against southampton the other day that we went a goal down but there wasn't the usual tottenham panic there wasn't a kind of then onslaught from southampton trying to get a second or us desperately trying to break through and sort of just throwing the kitchen sink at not letting southampton sit back and defend a one goal lead like I think everybody just carried about their business professionally and they, they got it done. And it was, I was saying the other day, like it's the sort of performance that we've seen from Manchester City and Liverpool over the past couple of years. Um, I know we kind of, we put them on this pedestal and rightly so because they've, the, the two teams have been utterly exceptional for the past few years. But I mean, like honestly, when I look at kind of, especially like, we should just never underestimate like how good Son and Kane are, number one. The fact we have these two players in our team and now what seems to be a competent squad around them and a manager who knows how to kind of win games. Yeah. I don't see why we shouldn't be up there with City and Liverpool. Like I re- I, I honestly I really think we're we're in the mix this year. And I I know it can all change all of a sudden, but I think this is the most... I mean, in all the years we've been podcasting about, all the years we've been talking about Spurs, have you ever really felt this, other than maybe Pete Pochettino, after the 16-17 year, going into 17-18, I don't think I've ever really felt like this comfortable that Spurs are... Like, comfortable saying that Spurs are just good. Like, we're a good side, you know? Yeah, it's different. Pete Pochettino still felt like we were the little train that could. And it was a, 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 it was a very much a David David and Goliath thing, and we we had the confidence in ourselves that, despite the fact that we hadn't signed anyone for two years, we had a really good eleven. The atmosphere around the club, the togetherness, all the intangibles were what was making the difference, and that's what we had over the clubs with endless budgets and and bigger named managers and whatever else. We all of the other things were were lining up for us. It's different now. We were. It's not quite an even playing field and probably won't ever be, but the perception of who we are and what we're doing and, and how we go about our business is so much closer to, to what they are and what they do. And that's that that's what feels different, the fact that we, we almost feel like we have those intangibles, we work smarter and we do these different things, but we also have the ability to go and sign a player for 60 million if we want to do and, and it not be the end of the world and we're not having to sell somebody to bring somebody of that size and, and stature in as well. So it does feel completely different. The, the Richarlison point's a, a great one, and it's it's something that I think we tweeted off the Roller Roost account as well, is that it's such a difference in 
outward perception of who Tottenham is to do that deal, going to buy somebody else's best player at a club the size yeah. of Everton isn't something we used to do. And you are right to to sh- shine a light on the fact that that used to just happen to us and the shoe is very much on the other foot. We've done it to Brighton for Basuma. That's slightly different given the size of their club and we have done that a little bit more, but there's been no hesitancy over that. We would have done what, you know, other clubs have messed around and, and you know, attempted to get a target and somebody else has come in and just gone, we'll pay the money and we'll give it you in whatever better way of getting it. And they've got the player and we've not messed around in that sense. And it does it does feel different when you have a, a high-profile manager in the in the mould of Conte and, and all the way it's come together in the stadium we do and, you know, all the Nike stuff we've got, all the, you know, everything that we do and off the field as much as on the field is in line with what the biggest clubs in the world do. Um, and when you look at the facts and figures of it all, it's, it's very much the case as well. The only thing that's, that's, you know, sets anyone apart is how much the owner actually has in their bank account ready to spend at any given time. So it does feel different. And that's kind of why it, it's such a, a strange thing to get used to going into the season is that we we don't really have anything to to fall back on in terms of not excuses but you know comfort blankets in terms of going oh we haven't quite got to where we might have wanted to do or achieve this and that but we can't do this we can't do that we, we that's slowly ebbing away there's, there's at some point we've we've actually got to go out and compete and we've got as good a chance this year of, of doing that as ever would just be, I mean, mate, can you imagine it? Just finally, like, seeing it for, for the likes of, like, Lloris, for Son, for Kane, actually, like, winning one of the big... I mean, a League Cup, yeah, it'd be a good day out, but come on, we, you know, at least an FA Cup is is really what we got to start. It's I think I've been saying it for, it. like, for the entirety of this thing, but I'd love to win an FA Cup because I've, I've literally never seen us win one. We won... Oh the last one in 91 and it's the year before I was born and I turned 30 this year and we haven't, <laughs> we've won eight, we've won eight of them before I was born. And in my lifetime, I think we've lost eight semifinals on the trot or mm. eight, a record in, akin to that. We could have doubled our collection of them and probably won more of them than anyone else, but I've never even seen us get to a final. I, I don't even remember it, mate. I'm 37. Do you know what I mean? I'm, t- I was yeah. six years old when they did it last is, it's insane. You know, I've seen yeah. I can recall as winning two trophies in my entire life, both yeah. the fucking League Cup and even what even They're the know, only two I remember. I, I, I don't even really remember the the Alan I remember Alan Nilsson scoring the goal and like me and my dad cheering in the house, but I don't like vividly remember the match, you know. Yeah. It's Yeah. Yeah, the the Woodgate one is the is the most vivid of them all and that's I'm being frank as well. Like Swansea have got a similar memory of that. Birmingham <laughs> do. Like exactly. We 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 kind of got to do better than that, and it's it's a shame that we've got so many like almost as well, like that Champions League final and stuff. Oh. The, the stuff that, to be fair, if you'd asked us ten, fifteen, twenty years ago whether or not we'd ever dream of even seeing Spurs in the Champions League, never mind go marching out in a final. It's completely different, and those are the type of things you've you've still got to. It, it would have been easier be to lose about. to Barcelona, wouldn't it? Like oh, hundred percent, and it would have been easier to lose had there actually been a game played and not a yeah. handball robbery in the first half. But you know, 
this is is what it is. I don't want to dig that back up. Yeah, don't want to revisit that pain. Like because yeah. it's there's new memories to be. I mean, I I don't know about you. I can't. I just I can't see us doing anything in the Champions League this year, just because of what we know of Conte's reputation in the competition and just in cup competitions in general. I really just I don't. I feel like he's really got his sights set on the on the on the league this year. Um, and I, part of my confidence from this comes from not just what Spurs are doing. I mean, City are just, uh, you know, as we as we've said, Danny is a doped behemoth. You know, like they they are what they are. Hopefully, Haaland won't settle that well. Obviously, signs of commonness after that West Ham game the other day, but still, we might get injured. He is he is a bit of a sick note. But Liverpool, most of all, I just think losing Mane's. I think it's pretty massive, mate. I really think it's a lot bigger than they let on. Like Diaz is obviously a very good player, but he ain't Mane. And Salah, when he's at his best for me, is the better player. But he's streaky, man. Like Mane's just consistent. Mane is always eight out of ten, and he always has been for them for years. And just runs and runs and runs, and his quality and just chips in with so much that I just I think we can get a Liverpool. You know, because I still I look at their midfielders. They're still playing Jordan Henderson. You know, like it's yeah, but they they still have gone forever, can it? Yeah, the stuff that we we had with Pochettino though, and the contingency and all that sort of stuff is is all a real thing for them as well as as much as you we probably wouldn't want to admit it. And they do have younger players coming through. Harvey Elliott looks like a a player, and they do. He's an horrible. They have. Prick. <laughs> They have signed, they have signed well as well. So it's it's one of those that they they seem to be. It's obviously a transition for them, but it's one that they, there's no by no means they're not they're not going to fail to do. And they've they've proven now as well that if there's anyone who doesn't quite hit the standards or anything, then they'll just go out and spend another hundred million on someone to come and plug the gap. And when you can do that sort of thing, then there's there's only going to be a finite amount of time where you're poor. Um, Chelsea are a great example for that. They have the odd off season, but they're never far off it. They've won in a technically poor season for them. They won a second Champions League. It's yeah. this is what these clubs feels do. like they're a just... fever dream. That one though, doesn't it? Like it was so shy. So was the first one. No, the the first one came in almost even more improbable circumstances. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but they've got two of them, so you can't you can't really argue with it. it there is a method to that madness. But this is another point about our recruitment and what we're doing that I think probably needs a, a light shining on it as well. And it's obviously not to the level that these clubs do, but we're future-proofing things. We're signing for the future and, and signing players on, on good contracts in sort of ahead of time, like you know, Pepe Matisar, the, the, is it Destiny, the lad that we've just been... Yeah, linked with or supposedly done or, or whatever, and we just wait an official confirmation or whatever it is. Players that were probably a year away from people going, oh, he's amazing. Let's spend sixty million on him. We're doing for half of that a year early, letting them go and develop, sending them out on loan, all that sort of stuff, and they'll be ready to then step in and bring a brand new sign in for a year or two, or if we want to sell them on for a profit and constantly keep these sort of things going. And that's just something we weren't doing before. We were you know, not being ruthless enough. And we talked about sort of being overly sentimental 
And that seems to be something that's gone. You know, Harry Winks, we damn near confirmed that we were going to take his squad number off him before somebody had a second think about that. And, you know, making players train with um, younger teams and, and, you know, Conte just not having them and trying to get rid of them and stuff. It's it's the sort of thing bigger clubs do. They just, they get on with business. It is a business. Mm. And when somebody's ready to go and they need to move on from things, they do it. And occasionally you get them wrong. Occasionally they come back and bite you, but you can't get them all right. You know, Undenbele or Lacelso might go and be a world beater. Lacelso looked brilliant for Villarreal, but he played better for Villarreal in one half a season than he ever has done for Spurs consistently. So, what you're going to do sometimes it just doesn't fit for certain people in certain places. I'm sure there's endless Chelsea fans that are secretly bothered about the fact that they've had Salah and De Bruyne and everything, and they're probably more premature to get rid of people and just write them off than we ever are. But it does happen everywhere. There's how many countless players have Real Madrid sold and bought back? Barcelona sold and bought back. Bayern Munich just had you know academy players that go out to other places in Germany, and they know that if they need to go and spend thirty forty million to bring them back from Freiburg or wherever the fuck they've gone, they can do. Um, so it is that like I can see us at some point like Carl Walker Peters is getting like a suddenly being linked with Chelsea and people like that. Like, if he has another storming season and we need a right-back, I can see us sort of going and signing him back for what we want to do and stuff do you, like that. I've, I've got to say that, mate, to be brutally honest, the game against us the other day, I think, showed why, if we want to be like a top club, he's not the one. And why Oh, I completely agree. I was just you know I was I mean? just using him as I know an he's example. Saying, no, yeah. rather, but it, sort of, it just happens, doesn't it? Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, like we are about- morphing. What do you make of Kulisevsky, mate? I, I just mm. I could talk about him for a long time because I don't I don't think anybody at the club, even Paratici, anybody expected him to kind of do what he's doing right now, right? He, the, to me, the fella looks like Starboy. You know, he's going to be a special, special player. It looks like we're sort of witnessing the those sort of early years of Gareth Bale again, like the making of another superstar. It's it's yeah. quite astonishing to me. Yeah, I love him. I love watching him play. I think he's he's really intelligent. I like the attitude on him. He seems to be very focused and, and single minded in a in an arrogant way, but in a good arrogant way. I think there's different types of arrogance and, and you need it in top level sport and I think he's got it. Um I really enjoy watching him play. I think he, he will get better and, and has the the attitude and the desire to improve and it's funny, in, in the same way that there's players like Lacelso and Undenbele that, that can't do it in the Premier League, there are some players that the Premier League is tailor-made for. Those quick transitions, having, you know, it being more reactive than space-driven and stuff like that, mm. perhaps a, a touch less technical in certain areas. He's brilliant at that, and, and they seem to play to his strengths, which, you know, we've got to A, applaud the, the, the recruitment and, and, you know, the the deal that we got for him because there's no way that's happening again. And we've also got to uh, sort of recognise the management that's gone into it to sort of add him into a partnership between Kane and Son that is so fruitful and, and their relationship is so good and established. To to add a third to that and not mess it up is a real achievement because there is, there is the whole Tino Esprilia part of it where you can add one little extra bit too much and you can overdo it. It can be too many cooks and all that sort of stuff. And, and we haven't done that. The balance is there. And we've also got the the players underneath those three now that they're not just going to be running to the ground. We can 
wheel them out and use them on the occasions where we need to and want to and take them off and substitute them everything, especially with five subs, where they can possibly, touch wood, play a full season and be relatively fit and match fit and sharp for the vast majority of that. And that's what we've got to be doing. We've been in situations so many times now where we've we've had these type of players and then become overly reliant on them. It's like we've we've got a weekend car. We're like an old bloke with a Porsche, but we're using it to go and do the big shop as well as <laughs> taking it out on the weekend. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you've got to have a runner every now and then. You, you you know, for every perisist, you've got to have a Sessignon for every, I was going to say one of the right backs then, but they're both probably, you know, <laughs> battling for that position still. Uh, both 1982 Ford Escorts, but yeah. Um, but we've got players around there who can do better and we're, we're making the most of, of other players as well. Like, because I haven't been on here for a while. Like Eric Dyer, amazing. It's so great to see somebody who actually seems to give such a, a damn about us doing well for us and and him taking that opportunity. He's, he, it's something I, I don't want to pat myself on the back or do that sort of stuff, but I remember writing a column about him when he first broke through and we'd played him at right-back, centre-back, midfield, wherever the fuck else in, in like his you know, opening half a season with us and kind of going, we kind of just need to give him a position now, otherwise he's going to become jack of all trades and never Mm. really settle or develop. And that's exactly what happened to him. But now he's been given a chance to just sack off the midfield thing, concentrate on being a centre-back and concentrate on doing this one specific role as a centre-back. He looks brilliant. He's looking like a bit of a colossus, isn't he? Oh, mate, Ben, don't fucking get me. I ain't asked that we've not managed to sign a Bastoni or somebody like that. Ben Davies is fucking quality, mate. He's fucking quality. Yes, he is. He is, and he's got the he's got the type of temperament, and he's the type of character that, that for me, you need in a team. You mm. need somebody who is is happy going under the radar and just doing his job, and gets the satisfaction from the fact that he'll know that everybody else in that dressing room knows how good he is and knows how important he is to the team, and he doesn't need any other recognition other than that i don't think there are in any team sport there is always components of successful teams that aren't the stars but supplement them and do the jobs to the best of their ability to allow them to be stars and allow them to have the limelight and he's one of those for me we're talking about it the other day like he's his new contracts and everything he's it's not like he's going to be the the biggest paid player in the team if you do sign another star center back then there's going to be that just naturally there's going to be the other centre-backs going, oh, is he now the main guy? Is he going to be getting all the focus? They don't have that. They just know Ben's going to turn up. He's going to have my back. He's going to do his own job really well. And then when we get inside, he's going to be a class bloke as well. And everything about him ticks a box to me. Like He's been doing this job for Wales since pretty much the beginning. They seem to realise from the start that he's far better at playing one side of a back three than he is being a dedicated fullback and... In a, in a game where now football is becoming so specialised and role-oriented, there's nothing wrong with being a centre-back that flourishes in a back three. That is a thing, and that's that doesn't discount him at all. It, there's a career to be had there and a great career to be had there, and he's, he's showing that now. And again, management deserves huge credit. He deserves huge credit, and, and the club do for, for managing that asset as well as they have, and there are so many across there. Sessignon, how we'd given up on him and 
he looks mm. like he's he's finally coming into his own. He's finally flourishing and blossoming, and you know, it's it's great to see across the park. And it's because Perisic is beating his bum with a slipper if he like misplaces passes and shit like that afterwards. You know what I mean? But it's it's not just that. But it's it's him probably knowing as well that I can get to learn off this bloke. But yeah. He's however old he is. He's not going to be able to play every game. And if he does, then he's going to be... It's, it's another Na- Nabet King type situation, yes. isn't it? You know, yeah, it's, massively so. It's great. I mean, the thing about, the thing about Ben Davis's mate as well is like, we, yeah, we haven't sort of seen him look spectacular on the pitch sort of down the years, but we've never really seen him look awful. No. I mean, I've, ne- I've never really looked at... I was, I was saying it the other day, like I've, I've never... I can't recall off the top of my head any glaring errors Ben Davies has ever really made in his Tottenham career. And I think it, it's sort of testament to the lad that how many managers now, like top managers, you know, Pochettino, Mourinho, whatever you thought of him, and now Conte, have all kind of just held on to Ben Davies. Like, he's never one of those players. Like we've seen now Winks is getting jettisoned. Winks is getting fucked off, you know? Yeah. It, it's never been a thing with Ben Davies. He's always been, obviously, just seen as a... I just imagine he's a very he's a he's a he works hard in training, and he's just he's a scrappy player, and I think he loves the club, and I, you know, this sort of shit like, I get it. I think we're all drawn to it. We're all drawn to this kind of FIFA Ultimate Team football manager style appreciation of football of looking at a player's stats and thinking that's the only important thing. The only metric is, you know, however many goals they scored last year or how fast they look in a YouTube compilation and stuff. But there's like surely sort of we've se- we've seen enough behind the curtain now. We're seeing all these kind of shows like All or Nothing and all this type of stuff. Like how much goes into building a squad and building a, a team that really sort of lives and breathes for one another and will bleed for one another and everything like that. And players like Ben Davies who look, you know, we call him gentle Ben and all this type of stuff. But He's he's a scrappy lad. He looks dependable. You got the players like Son and stuff like love him. You know, he's he's obviously somebody that's got everybody's back. And they all turned up to his wedding in the summer, which I think speaks volumes. You know, he's, he, I don't think he's gentle either. I think he's secretly a bit dirty and will kick someone if he wants to as well. It's he's got a lot about him. It's and there's that all over the park. I think the the squad chemistry is an underrated piece of of what you are and you're completely right it's not FIFA ultimate team it's not a, a statistics oriented game as much as people on the internet want to do that to it there there is so much of it that is personality driven you've got to have a a squad that is happy to play together and know their roles with each other if you have 11 alphas in a team if they all get on and all pull in the same direction that's fine but it's going to be finite it's going to be combustible if you have too many people thinking they are a one. It's going to come to a head. It it, it happens in any sport and any line. They have a short shelf life. It they have a a combustible nature to them. You've got to have some sort of hierarchy within a team, and it's it's fascinating at Spurs to be honest. Because as good as he is, Son defers to Kane, and he does it quite happily. If mm. he if he was any other type of character, he would not have assigned that contract extension. He would have gone to another club that he would have been the star of, the face of, and he seems to be happy enough being there 
a star and face enough at Spurs. And, and to be his credit as well, Kane seems to be happy to share just enough of the limelight to him. The fact that we did a, an entire preseason tour to a career and all of that. Another more fragile ego would have, you know, probably had his nose out of joint that it wasn't all about him and it wasn't particularly catered to him. That was a Son Hung Ming tour. That was what we did. And the main guy, the the guy that's on the poster and, and everything, was part of it. And he was probably what BRC actor to that. So and he was happy. And uh, on top of that, that sort of underlines this entire point. The fucking captain of the team doesn't ever get a look in on these sort of conversations. Mm. And he's been here for fast coming on eleven years, played so many games for us, is the natural leader of there and there is not another bloke I would rather the armband be on. And he just kind of ties it all together, gets on with his job, is happy doing what he wants. We we saw from the, the clip with Son and, and stuff from the lockout, lockdown and stuff, like how he actually must be behind closed doors and the type of character he is. And there seems to be that cohesion there that is, is right. And that's something we've missed since the Pochettino times. Everybody believing in a single vision, but everybody being happy and comfortable within their own roles and their own stature within that. And there's so much to be said for that, especially when you're signing so many new people, you're doing all that. Richarlison signing for 60 million and stuff knows that he's he's not an automatic starter. He He's already coming into a club the, the size of Tottenham. If we'd have done that previously, he's coming in thinking he's the star of the show now. And he's just another fiddle and he, he seems happy with that to be another cog in the machine. And this isn't something that we've ever seen or ever had before at Tottenham. And and that is such a, a night and day difference between who and what we are compared to, to where we've come from before. It's just, um, honestly, mate, I do feel a bit giddy. Like when I really, honestly, when I really do kind of take a moment to just essentially like basking a lot of what you're saying there. And when I really think about it, when I think about the sort of team we have, like we, that we have players, like, and it sounds trite, it sounds stupid. It's all this type of stuff though, that like when I was a kid, like I used to sort of even sort of dream of seeing Tottenham have like a Nike or Adidas kit. Do you know what I mean? We had Adidas yeah. for, for a very short time, but you know, we had, we literally had a kit by a manufacturer called Pony. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> the fucking the top brass at the club, like, just didn't give a shit. They weren't thinking enough past how that would make us feel. But never, ever seen Tottenham spoken about, like, always being the second to last sort of team on match of the day. And never, you're never going to see, like, one of our players on a poster or something for Coca-Cola or for whatever on a new FIFA box or in a FIFA advert or anything like that you know we had like players like Teddy Sheringham who ends up fucking off to Man United and then everybody talks about him because they realise how good he is or same with but now Tottenham are like and I love it I love it like you never when tell you what a big thing for me was and, and it happened a couple of years ago but even this summer is when you go abroad and you go on holiday like me yeah. and the missus went to Greece a couple of years ago I remember going as a kid and there never being any Tottenham shirts on there. You'd have Ronaldo, yep. you'd have Messi, all that. There's Kane shirts and Son shirts up there, all the you know, the ones that people are making in dodgy markets and stuff. Walking down International Drive in Orlando a few months ago, there's a dad and his lad with 
DH gate away shirts before they'd even been released walking down the street and stuff like that sort of stuff's massive dudes I'm going to America 10 years ago whatever nobody really knew who Tottenham were didn't really have an idea of of what the club was or where we were based or anything like that if you walk anywhere in any sort of Tottenham gear now people recognize who the club is who plays there all that sort of stuff they they recognize you've got the Kendrick name. Kendrick wearing a Tottenham polo do you know what yeah. I mean shit like that like it's just because it's it's a brand now, do you know what I mean? And oh, 100% is a brand now. The, the thing is, and I get like, I get why people have like a, a sort of an uncomfortable feeling when they hear stuff like that, but it's what football is now. Like, and if you don't like that type of thing, honestly, like, go and support like a non-league club. And I, I, I don't mean that in like in, a, in an aggressive way, as in like, oh, don't fucking sort of moan about what Tottenham are doing. But what I'm saying is, if if you're craving that kind of purity in football if you're craving kind of a sense of like what football used to be and before it was almost like (laughs) turned into like well yeah wwe you know this sort of thing that is now people holding signs in fucking (laughs) stadiums and shit like maybe go and like follow a a non-league club because you're gonna get more of that experience there but right now even the the non-league clubs are, are striving to do the sort of thing that we do just on a smaller scale yeah, and I mean, fucking even non-league clubs are fucking expert. I was going to go and watch like my my sort of, I was going to go to my parents this weekend and I, I thought I'd go and watch the opening game of the season for Corinthian Casuals, like, you know, very old, famous club and everything like that in certain circles and they just play at the bottom of the road which I grew up in. Um, even there, it's fucking, I think it's about 14 quid. To, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? To go and watch like almost pub-level football. It's... It's pretty sort of, I don't know, it's pretty mad, isn't it? But I just, you know, I just, I sort of just have to lose myself to it a bit. There's there's always going to be that part of me that misses White Hart Lane. It's what I knew as football. It's what I went to, like, you know, it's the first football game I went to with my dad. I've got some of my best memories going to the old ground. I love the kind of the way, you know, you could get it like rocking when it was a really good game and everything like that. But there's other bit of me now that I'm just sort of starting to, whether it's like the end of 1984 when he, you know, like they say, just <laughs> he realizes he loves Big Brother. Maybe that's what it is, but maybe I'm just sort of succumbing to it or succumbing to modern football and everything. But there's also that part of me that thinks like, when you see our stadium, it's fucking sick. That's what yeah. we are now. We're a big club, and hopefully now it's going to be sort of. We just need to. That's the thing. Is like this is why. I know people are always going to say, well, you've got to get into a winning habits. And I do agree with that to an extent, but we can't just like aspire to win a league cup. You know what we need now, what we need to see are Tottenham Hotspurs ribbons on the Premier League or the Champions League trophy. You know, that that's, that's, that's the step. That's, that is the last piece of this puzzle that is missing now is that photo that we can put on our wall forever of Hugo Lloris holding up one of those with fucking Harry Kane next to him going mad, Son next to him. Do you know what I mean? All that, it's like, that's what we need. It's just what's missing. And it it, it feels so painfully close to being a reality that it's it's something that, like, like we're talking about Spurs when we were growing up, you know, I grew up accepting the fact that we were supporting a club that's never going to win, never going to win the league. Is probably never even going to be in the Champions League. Is just going to 
make a fist of it in the FA Cup and hopefully, I mean, hopefully every now and again, get into Europe, maybe make a press for the Champions League once in a while. But we both sort of remember what Manchester United were like and I hate to say it, Arsenal back in the mm-hmm. day. We know what Chelsea have been like um, and I guess, as we were saying, that the top end continue to be like. But to see Spurs kind of fight through all this and establish ourselves at the sort of level we're at now, it just, I don't know, man. I can't like, I can't take it for granted. And I see like, people get quite pissed off. You can see like lots of like, sort of younger sort of fans and stuff on Twitter now. They get kind of wound up, but they've only like, their frame of reference, the worst they've probably known Tottenham being is what, Martin Yoll era? Which is like... (laughs) One of the best eras of of my life supporting Tottenham. Like yep. that's when it was suddenly when we were a proper team. But yep. you can't really hold it against like young fans if like their frame reference is completely different. Yeah, if they hold Tottenham to a bit of a, and it's uh, to be fair, it's kind of they sort of meet in the middle with like a lot of the older lot, a lot of the gammons who have <laughs> always have always held Tottenham to this standard because they grew up seeing Tottenham win fucking UEFA cups and winning the FA Cup every yeah. other year. You know. It's only us cunts that have not yeah, seen them. Born in the, you're born in the worst possible time to do it, yeah. It's, it's crazy, like, as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking about how I remember feeling and reacting at times. Like, that first year we got into the UEFA Cup and yeah, literally being so excited to see us on Channel 5 wearing all white away at, like, was it like Slavia Prague or something like that? Uh, the first game we had away and Jermaine Jenis might have scored or something and... That's like a real formed memory of mine. I remember exactly where I was, exactly, you know, I can almost picture the patterns of play and stuff from that sort of game. And people probably like, if we got in the UEFA Cup now and drew Slavia Prague, they'd be like, oh, fuck, what a shit tie. Like, I can't <laughs> we're playing these farmers. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen happen to yeah. Tottenham. The first time we got in the Champions League was one of the most surreal things ever seen us get drawn with Inter Milan and get oh, through man. the group and I remember that night that we, we beat Inter Milan 3-1 and the Bale hat-trick and the AC Milan win and stuff. Just I went to the pub every game with my mates and my mates weren't, none of them were Spurs fans and they came with me because it was so funny to see Spurs in the Champions League and they were kind of like, I don't understand why this is happening. They started to get into it as well. We had almost like that, if you remember like Fulham and Middlesbrough in the UEFA Cup, we had that sort of like, Everyone kind of going, oh, is something happening here? And then Peter Crouch gets sent off at the San Siro and everyone mm. starts laughing at us again. And it's like, I almost remember that that run in the Champions League as fondly and as well as I remember the run to the the final. It's, it's so different. The way that you just subconsciously process things differently when they become the norm, it, it's just entirely different. There's, you pick a, just a, a normal player out of this squad and you, you pluck him out and you put him in the team that we had 10, 15 years ago, he'd be the type of player that we'd be like, oh, we've got to tell his grandkids about him. But now he's just like, oh, yeah, if he plays in line, we've got him <laughs> off the bench and stuff. Like, we'd be 10, 15 years ago, if we had Lucas Mora, we'd be like, oh, we've got to build a team around him. Like, yeah. I can't believe we've got him for PSG and stuff. And now we're sat there going, oh, if, he's, if he gets 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game and plays in the first round of FA Cup or whatever, then buzz him, but... It's the sometimes I think just to keep your feet planted and to stop yourself becoming the type of person that sits and 
shouts at a Twitter account, like a club official Twitter account or whatever, like to stop yourself being that sort of person and having unrealistic ideas about what the game is and what the club is and, and where everything is. You've, you've got to kind of remember how everything has felt before to put into context how you feel now and how you perhaps should feel now. Because you can just, like you said, there is an almost WWE element to it now, so you can just let it get away from you. And if we go and lose to Chelsea at the weekend or, you know, something happens, it's a non-performance or whatever happens, people suddenly throwing their toys out of the pram, quickly forget it's two games into the season and there's 36 games left to play and whatever else can happen. Like, it's it's such a, a crazy thing um, as a sport and as a as a folly, especially as a fan. It's just, if you actually kind of take a step back and, and try and analyse the level of importance and stuff we put in it and meaning and that, it's... It's, it's 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 very strange, but it's at the same time it gives our lives meaning and gives us something to look forward to. And, and if that's if that gives us happiness and, and escapism and stuff, then there's there's something to be said for that. I think you just gotta you just gotta sort of learn to soak it in, right? Just appreciate every single moment. You know, like you still get kind of people saying, it's "Typical of Tottenham that we celebrate a semi final against Ajax, we didn't even win it," but. You know, like progress isn't a given. You know, we're seeing that in society itself. Like past few years, if anything, we've started to, you know, regress a lot of the shit that we're seeing going on. Trump's America or sort of the rise of the fucking far right again in Europe all over the place. You know, it's 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 not a given. You can't you can never rest on this shit. And in a footballing sense, like no one's invincible you know nobody we can look at it we can look at Manchester City now but I looked at Man United 10 15 well 15 20 years ago now I never saw them being the sort of shit house that they are now and they can't they can't themselves get over it they can't even begin to comprehend what it is that's happening to their club that their fans like staging walkouts noise but for what lads like you're staging a walkout over what that you are now having a football support, a real football supporter experience, the type of experience that 99% of football fans around the world have with their club, that your team doesn't win everything every single fucking year. Get used to it, lads. Like, get fucking used to it. You don't, you don't get to have ownership over success forever. And, you know, we only have to look at, look at Nottingham Forest who have come up two times Champions League winners, man. One of the best teams in the world who are, what are they? they're Tim Pot now. They've been Tim Pot for years. West Bromwich Albion, Wolves, teams like that that were huge. They had huge sort of dynasties back in the day. They're nothing teams nowadays. Like, there's there's nothing to say that in, you know, all the talk, all the conversation, I, I, I do kind of get it. I get that modern football has probably changed things in terms of that there's just there's warped levels of money now there's disproportionate levels of money and power and influence and the infrastructure of the game has changed wildly from what it was in the 50s or 60s or probably even the 70s now these kind of cabals it's why we we're talking about barcelona these type of clubs that can operate in this way that seems unfair and unjust they're skint they they own the banks what a billion euros or something like that and they're still going out and buying Lewandowski and 
talking about trying to win the Champions League, that you know they should be. We're seeing these kind of these local teams, Berry and things like that, fold, getting fold like liquidated, folded up. But it's just it's the way it is. These institutions protect these clubs, but also the magic of football is there's still something intangible about it that these sort of these dynasties these they, they don't have to last and they like we're seeing it barcelona are clinging onto it they're clinging onto some semblance of like being relevant but really in your heart of hearts everybody knows nowadays for example if we if we drew barcelona in the champions league i'd be thinking we should beat them in my honestly in my heart of hearts i'd be thinking tottenham are bigger now we're, we're like we can talk about what's a big club what all this type of stuff the success at Barcelona face everything, but Tottenham now are more relevant. Like we're just we we're huge. We're a huge club, and we just need to appreciate this while it's here. While we have the likes of Kane, while we have the likes of Son, and it's great. Like we are actually seeing now this next generation. We're seeing players like Kulusevski, players like Romero, Romero. Do you know what I mean? This like this. How the fuck have we signed him? But this this could be potentially our centre back for the next ten years. I have a horrible feeling he's going to end up at Real Madrid in two <laughs> years' time because he just looks that good. He looks like a a generational talent, and that's a very au fait term at the moment. But he just he just seems unbelievable. But while they'll have to pay hundred million for him, yeah, though, won't they? But while we have this, while like we have this stop, like just because there's so much this when when we try and hype the team, when we try and kind of be optimistic about it. Oh, don't do that. Don't jinx it. Oh, don't, we'll, we'll look silly. I, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like I re, I've spent so much of my life just maybe hoping that Tottenham will be all right. But now I can see quite clearly, I can identify that Tottenham have arrived. We're a good fucking team. And I don't care about shouting about that. You know, I don't care about championing what we have. The fact that we might do something, let's just fucking cling on to that feeling because it's fun and... We might never have this again. It might be 10 years' time and Tottenham are back to being what they were, a mid-table, all-right team. You know, that we're back to fucking fighting it out with West Ham to try and finish eighth or something like that. Because that's just the way it can fucking go. But while we're here, just fucking believe a bit and just go with it and just... I don't know, we've... I, the, we play a part, right? Fans, we play a part. And we can, if you're in the ground or anywhere, just the general vibe around the whole place, you can help drag this shit over the line. We saw it with Liverpool. We saw, Liverpool just felt it. I can remember being in the office. One of my old colleagues was a Liverpool fan. And it was after the year we fucking smashed them at Wembley. And we just looked fucking sick. And they went out and did all their business. They got Fabinho. They got Alisson. They got Van Dijk. You know, we, we know all the rest of it. But I just remember there was suddenly a point with him when he was just like, now nah, we, we're good now. Like these players are good. We've addressed kind of the holes we need to address. We've done it. We've got this manager in Klopp who is good. Like we're a proper side now. And I was sort of trying to be like, yeah, but we've finished above you for the past six, seven years. But he's just like, we're just way, we're just really good now. And that, that, that's just how I feel about Tottenham now. I don't have that lingering kind of feeling of like, Oh, how are we gonna fuck this up? What you know? How is this gonna end up being Spursy? I I don't see that, mate. Like I just see us. I still have a little bit of that. I'm not gonna lie. This yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm I'm, I'm trying to sort of just be impassioned and all. It's like, of course it's there. <laughs> of course he's always fucking there, but you know, I just just I just I want to cling on to this, mate, because we're. 
I just think we're special, mate. I think there's something very special happening at Tottenham. And, you know, I just, you know, you know, last year, like, <laughs> honestly, honestly speaking, last year I had a vivid, vivid dream, like a really fucking vivid dream. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. It's a classic role of being on the Seven Sisters and just seeing the bus go past, mate, and seeing them like with the Premier League trophy. It was like so, and I, it was one of those dreams that, that I haven't really had many of those as an adult, but it was one of those yeah. that I woke up and I was just like, oh, fuck's sake, you know, like <laughs> as if that was a fucking dream because it felt, it was so vivid and it was so real, but like, I don't know. I, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not a religious man. I'm not, but, at the same time, I'm not. I'm not a complete atheist. I'm not completely shut off to the idea of like the being forces that we still can't account for. And last time I had a feeling this strong. Like I remember just feeling like when we got through that Barcelona game in the group stages, there was just something. There was a voice in my head somewhere that was just like, "Tottenham are going to win the Champions League this year," you know. And I know we didn't, but I just had that belief, that kind of feeling that. We were going to get there and we ended up getting to the final. And I, I see why it fucked Pochettino so much because everything we've heard out the back of it is that he truly believed it was their destiny, that they were going to do it that year. Yeah. That's what was going to happen. I honestly believe that as well, mate, because there was just something in there that I was just like, I've got no real reason to feel this way, but I just fancy us. I just feel like we're going to do it. And I kind of feel it again this year, mate. I just really feel that we... we I'm not saying we're definitely going to win the Premier League, but what I'm saying is that we are in the mix for it. There's something about Tottenham, mate. There's something special about this team. Like, do you do you share do you share any of this at all? Do you? Do you yeah, feel I, it? I do. I do. I do. Um, I'm. For me, I think we. The emotional stuff is is a non-negotiable. It, it happens, and as much as. You, I try and rationalise stuff and try and temper the way I feel and stuff. As soon as I sit down and watch a game or something happens around us and stuff, I can't help it. Like I was wandering around the other day and we were playing the first game and I was doing something else and I was just glued to wanting to know the score and you know it takes over you in a, in a way that you can't control. There's an itch inside you. There's a it's an almost sort of I don't know what the involuntary response to this sort of thing that as much as I would, even if I tried to ignore it or something, I couldn't. There's something now in, ingrained inside me that is attuned to the, you know, the fortunes of this football club. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And I don't know. I don't know if the, the, the way we do, I try and. I try and be a little bit more, not measured, but cynical, let's say, about how we're going to do, almost as a protection for myself and my own emotions, because I know how how into it I've got before and how crushing and disappointing that can be. And I know that's all part of it, and that part of the experience is, is the fun and it's the hope that kills you and everything, but I kind of like the fact that what we've done is a is a slow burn and we've never cheated any step of it. We've everything that happens until we get to that point is another step in the right direction and another 
even like hiring Nuno and stuff, that leads to Conte and sacking Pochettino and going through the whole Mourinho thing. Mm. It, that was another step, like having somebody of Mourinho's stature at the club, I'm sure played on the mind of Conte when he came. And he's, there's probably a part of his ego that kind of went, oh, if Mourinho couldn't do it, but what if I can? There's probably some of that in there. He, the, you know, he's clearly not a bad manager. He's doing well at Roma now. Like there's, there's, there's something about us and there's, there's something about our journey and, and especially compared to the likes of City and Liverpool who have done it in a completely different way that Liverpool have the the history to trade on and they have very good financial backing and sort of a, a narrative around themselves that is very unique and depending on who you are, you either really enjoy or think is terrible. Um, and that works for them and that is why they're in the position they're in. Manchester City are a completely artificial construct and they are where they are because of, for obvious reasons and the socio-political reasons that underpin that are, are a conversation for another day and, and again, their own reality. But in a purely sporting manner, you can't really argue with their success or the way they've gone about their success in an entirely robotic, you know, unsympathetic manner. They serially win things and they do so in an uncompromising, unflinching way. Spurs have... We've just sat here for an hour now and talked about all the different ways in which we have been shit and how happy we have been at being slightly less shit all along the way. And I really enjoy that. I, Even though it's not quite Martin Yule moment or Europa League or whatever, UEFA Cup even, the little steps along the way, even this season or next season or whatever it is, signing Richarlison, doing whatever we're going to do this year, that's another little notch in the journey of how far we've come with this club. And it is just, that's that's the way I choose to see it rather than, rather than getting too focused and too emotional or, or distracted by the end goal. Because I, much like you, I believe eventually we will get there. I From being in a place years ago where I never thought we'd be in the Champions League or being the top end of the Premier League, I now, if you had to ask me whether or not I think I'm going to see us win those competitions before I die, I would say yes. And tentatively, but I would say yes. I think I'd see us win the league. I think it'll happen, but I'm not saying it'll happen this year, but I'm saying we are now putting ourselves in a conversation and in a place in the sort of wider conversation and an area of, of what football is at the, the place in which we play it, that that is now a reality rather than a pipe dream. And that's, that's huge. That's, that's as far as I'm willing to go. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we've uh, we've spent like an hour. This is a proper throwback pod this, mate. But we've spent the last hour just talking kind of nebulously about Tottenham. We do have a very big, very smelly, horrible game coming up this weekend that ties in, tying in with a lot of what we've been talking about really would be a good marker as to, (coughs) bless me, um, as to, as to where we are now. Um, It is Chelsea. A Chelsea that one might say could be there for the taking right now. If we're a Tottenham that are, <laughs> is that too far? I, I, I'm seeing you laughing at the moment, Reg. Like, oh, I, I, I think we've been to Stamford Bridge so many times and felt like we should and could beat them and it's not happened. Um, it'd be a huge statement at this stage of the season to go there of all places and actually perform well and and win. Um but there is the Tottenham of it all at the same time. And they're, to be fair to Chelsea, they're not a bad side. They're still an unknown quantity. They've, they're doing their own thing. They're in their own weird transitional period and stuff uh, with the ownership and the players and everything. It's it's not a particularly bad time to play them or you know a good one. It's just, it's an interesting fixture at this stage of the season. It, 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 it'll probably say a lot more about Tottenham than it will about Chelsea, to be honest. Um, but a It'd be, it's a good barometer to see how far we've come. Um, it kind of it reminds me slightly of uh, the last Spurs game I went to was away at Old Trafford last year when we lost and Ronaldo scored oh, a hat trick. Like, say, yeah. we played quite well on that day and shouldn't really have lost at very least drawn the game. But something like that can happen against a team like that. You know, Man United are not good anymore. We should have gone there and won. We are yeah. a better team. We have better players, but. Shit happens sometimes at this level, and, and especially in in these sorts of games, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm, I'd love us to win. I'd love us to win convincingly, um, but whether or not that happens, I'm, I'm there's just it's really hard to get your head around something that you have almost zero historical precedent for. Mm. How uh, how are you starting the game, mate? Would you would you stick with the same team as against as there was against Southampton, or are you thinking? Basuma for Hoybier, Perisic for Sessegnon. It depends on the fitness. Um, ideally, yes, I would be tempted to do those. I think it's the type of place where Perisic goes and is absolutely comfortable. He's played in. He, he ain't gonna huge give a shit, and, is he? Yep, exactly, and that's what he's there for. He's there for the games where he just rocks up and does his thing because that's what he's done for twenty odd years. Um, and the same with Basuma for Hoybier, like. He's there to play that role and to allow Bentacar to, you know, do the beautiful things he wants to do. Um, so I'm all for that. I'm all for those changes. But again, the way we played, the way the result went, do we need to make changes? Or again, am I being overly sentimental? Are we at the stage now where we kind of just go, no, this is the best team. It, the last game's the last game. That doesn't matter now. That was a home game against a team that 
we were comfortably better and that's why these players played. In this game, it's the game where Perisic and, and Basuma play. I'm I'm entirely comfortable and confident with either one, to be honest. Um but the the system and, and stuff picks itself. You don't I don't think you mess with the front three. You you've got Richarlison off the bench if you want him. Midfield there's there's an argument to be had. Possibly you mess around with right back, maybe you give Doherty a chance over Royale. Um, there's it's a much of a muchness there, as far as I'm concerned. But otherwise, other than the two we've discussed, it's, it kind of starts picking itself. I mean, Royale's he actually was really good the other day, you know, and he has looked good under Conte. It's, I mean, I don't know if he's long term kind of a uh, I, 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 to me. Right wing back is the weakest area of our team, right? It's the it's the one place where, where did we have like another fifty mil to drop before the window closes? I wouldn't mind seeing as fuck knows who it is. Don't ask me to name the player, but that's kind of the one place where I probably would like to see us really invest because I'm not. I don't know if the this sort of Madison Ericsson type player is is it a priority? Do you do you feel like I mean? Would you, if we say we'd signed James Madison for 50, 60 mil, would you be starting him tomorrow? And who would you be starting him ahead of if if you were? I don't to? really like James Madison. No, nor do I, don't I can't stand him. But uh, yeah, he's, he, it doesn't make sense to me that one. Like I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his. But again, it's if it's what the club want to do, it's what the, the club want to do. Like at, at this point, you've kind of just they've do, they've built up enough credit for themselves in the recent history that you you trust them to do what they're going to do. There's there's arguments to and against several of the signings they've made, but they've all gone well to date so far. So, to me, no. The, the Zaniolo thing's interesting because it seems to be just a a young player with a high upside that we just want to add into the mix because we can, um, and that that's a a sensible piece of business to do if we wanted to do it. Whether or not you know he fits in right away and, and whatever is, you know, a conversation you can have for however long you want to have it for, but. Right back's definitely the uh, somewhere where if you've got somebody who in who's definitely going to come in and be better than what we already have straight away, then it's a no-brainer for me. And we clearly still seem to be active enough in the in the market, but whether or not you can do that business for for good money or not is a different matter. Like, look at that Cucurella from Brighton; like he mm. seems good, like decent. But what was it, sixty-two million? Eventually, you ended up going for yeah, there or thereabouts, isn't it? It's that's a, a giant sum of money for a bloke who's had one good year at Brighton. It's massive, but, isn't it? What do you make of Sterling as well? Actually, I, I was—it's quite horrible scene because I've always sort of I've quite liked Raheem Sterling, but yeah, now I do it's too. like place a fucking Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just why'd you go there, lad? <laughs> like yeah, it's odd, isn't it? It's I think what we were saying earlier about the you know these big clubs and and how we've sort of started to drift apart and separate ourselves and everything, especially with you know the financial situations that clubs are getting themselves into, trying to chase each other's tail. Sorry, um, it's getting to a point again, almost like nineties Serie A, where you're gonna have to start selling to each other because they're the only people yeah. you can afford to pay the wages and and you have these sort of players on with. So it's gonna be like. Players are going to turn up at other clubs that are right direct rivals because that just happens. Um, so it is strange. Like he's not somewhere I would have pictured him going. I'm 
I'm not sure whether or not he's going to be a success there. He's a, he's a good player. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to be negative, you'd go off. There's a game where he's going to suddenly come to life and, be, you know, win the hearts and minds of Chelsea fans. It's going to be this one and all that sort of stuff. But it's odd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we've got all this money to spend, then I don't know why we didn't go for it, but he's probably on too much money. And to be honest, all that stuff I was saying earlier about, you know, people's roles and who's the star and everything would have probably confused matters a little bit more than, than what they're probably, you know, what we've got at the minute, you know. I know what you mean. There's still a, there's still a wow factor though, right? To signing yeah. a player like Sterling. He's, yes. he's, you know, he's one of the biggest sort of England players of all time, you know, there's sort of a Premier League kind of winner of how many, three, four, how many fucking times has he won it there with them now? Yeah, it must be three or four, yeah. Three or four. So it's, yeah, but we've got Kulisevsky, so I'm more than happy with that. I think the, the you do touch on something there. It's quite interesting because it's funny because we've been really, really trying to get the Celso and Tangi out the door. And it just seems, I think the Celso is going again today. I think he's going back to Villarreal on loan. There's an option to buy, but they had an option to buy this time and they didn't do it, you know, because teams, like you say, teams can't afford it. And... We've seen sort of quite lately that uh, I think it's Newcastle have emerged for Tangi. And I've Good luck, lads. There's 24-hour Greggs up there. <laughs> but I, it, I don't know, him alongside Joe Linton and that Bruno lad they got, I'm suddenly like, could that be where he finally does it? You know, like maybe. And I'd He's an that. enigma. Like he's, he's so good when he wants to be. And like when you, you see them Declan Rice quotes and stuff, like I don't, disbelieve him for a second that that's the way he is to play against it's just he just seems to be a poor professional um for whatever reason that is is a shame but for whatever reason he doesn't seem to want to do the work that is required to be a a standout player for spurs and there's not a doubt in anyone's mind i don't think that he has the potential and ability to be he just lacks the application which is a shame and Footballers are real people. Um, people overlook that and forget that a lot of the time. These are just normal blokes. Um, they just happen to be very, very good at a sport that is globally renowned and we all adore more than almost anything else. Um, but they're normal blokes. They're different people. They have personalities. And there's some people just like there isn't any walk of life in any you know, workplace or you know, discipline that they're naturally going to be more attuned to do those things, but they might not have the desire to do them. Mm. Um, and whether or not you can beat him with that and be disappointed with that, whatever you want to be like, sometimes you just got to take things on face value and, and say, this is the way this is. If anybody else is happy with that being the situation and within their context is good enough for them, then fine. But where we are and what we want, it doesn't fit into our vision. And you've kind of got to accept that for what it is. I know, taking my myself as an example, I've been in jobs and I've been in various roles and different things, relationships, whatever it is in my life, where I haven't maybe tried as hard or been as involved or as cared as much or, you know, given the the best account of myself or, or whatever it may be, been as... Um, you know, dedicated or whatever you want to put it in. 
um, to whatever the whatever uh, you know facet that that was because it wasn't the right fit for me. But you know, in current jobs, current relationships, whatever it is, when you know the right thing is right, you know you behave almost naturally differently towards those things. It yeah. brings out a different version of you. You are a different person. You are your best person. You are your best version. And it just naturally doesn't happen in some place and naturally does elsewhere. What the reasons for those are, you almost don't know. That kind of ruins the spontaneity and, and secrecy of life. Um, I, I know that might sound kind of highfalutin for, for your football and the folly, but like I said, these are blokes. These are things that they're going to be going through. He might enjoy it elsewhere or whatever the hell else elsewhere elsewhere that just makes him play better, try harder, do whatever it is. And if it's not going to be at Tottenham, it's not going to be at Tottenham. And we should probably just stop trying to hope it happens when it's not likely to. Yeah, well, I mean, you sort of you mentioned Salah and De Bruyne earlier with with Chelsea. You know whether they could have had more of a chance or didn't or whatever, you know, you don't know if the, the, the players that they are today, if they would have really hit those levels without feeling that rejection from Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. That, that feeling of failure, you know, it's yeah. fuck knows how it, how it kind of, how it would transpire. But I don't know. Are you, are you scared of Chelsea, mate? Because <laughs> I know like you're saying, like we've, we've been in this position before, but, I just I, this year I just I don't I don't feel it like I really I I really feel like we're going to win. I'm not scared of Chelsea at all, but uh, to have another analogy because apparently that's the only thing I can do. This is heavyweight boxing. Everyone can knock each other out. It takes one punch. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah, what position you're in or whatever it is. It takes one hit, and you know even if you're in good form or not. If you lack, if you have that within yourself to do that to the other person or other thing, then that can happen. So I'm not scared of them by any means. I back us and give us as you know a good a chance as we've ever had going there to beat them. But I'm not blind to the fact that they have the capability, if they so wish, to do that exact same thing to us if they wanted to as well. Mm, miserable, miserable. But at the, at the same time, you you say miserable, but. That uncertainty and that not knowing is what the joy comes from. The fact that we go into Chelsea and, and don't know the result, it isn't guaranteed, is is more fun in a weird way. It will mean more when we win. It will give us more disappointment when we lose. But the enjoyment of it, the ride of it, the thing mm. that we try and get out of it is the fact that we don't know. If we were the, the best team ever, if we were... Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham combined and just there was no doubt over any result ever, then you kind of, it numbs you to it, I think. And then when shit, it does hit the fan and you become a normal team or whatever, you become like Manchester United fans, like you said earlier, and you have no real frame of reference for what actual sport is. Well, like, I mean, this is the funny thing though, isn't it? It's like the fact that Tottenham haven't won one of the big ones yet. It's still out there. We haven't completed it. You know, we haven't, we haven't stepped through to the other side now where it's like well we don't have to imagine we don't have to dream about what it would feel like to win these things because we've done it and yeah all right you can look forward to trying to win it again or trying to overtake Arsenal's record of whatever but there's still that 
that joy, that kind of unbridled feeling of ecstasy is still out there for Tottenham. And that's quite exciting as well, you know? 100%. Um, it, it, it's like, you know, when like people got really excited over like the Marvel films and stuff like the Avengers and stuff like when it, the first time it happened, it was the best thing that had ever happened and everyone's up for it. And then the second time it happened, it was like, oh, this is even better. But now nobody really gives a shit because they've done it too much and it becomes overly saturated. Like, I would rather us for the rest of my life, uh, however long I get to live, hopefully it's a long time. I'd rather win the odd one here and there and it still be enjoyable than win everything in five to ten years and then just cursed after that. Like, it, 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 I, I still want there to be meaning to things and I don't want that to escape me. It's Tottenham Hotspur, isn't it? It's kind of, that's... We are the perennial dreamers and it wouldn't feel right if we were a dominating force, you know? Because I... I oh, I'd enjoy it while it. we're doing it, though. Oh, yeah, come on. Like, it's, it's that sort of thing, though, isn't it? You're not going to say no to it, but it's also, like you say, there is there's something fun about chasing it, you know? Always been... Because that's just... That's what we've known. It's what Tottenham have always been and probably always will be, but... Who knows, you know, we've got a very big stadium. <laughs> so we might uh, we might go, imagine that. Imagine if like from this point on, if under Conte, we just had an Alex Ferguson type era at Tottenham where we won fucking five, six Premier League trophies. How many, how many Premier Leagues did he win, Ferguson? You remember? Um, Was it eight? At least 10. Fucking hell, really? I'd imagine so. Let's have a look. It didn't, uh, Ryan Giggs win like 11. I don't know, he's not winning this court case though, is he? Yeah, yeah I, I know. He, he, the only reason he came to mind is because I know he won all of them. Not that he's a great example of anything. Alex Ferguson, let me Google it. Premier League. 13. He won it 13 times. That's fucking mad. What would you, that's it, mate. That's that's what Conte's going to do to Tottenham. That's... Do you imagine that? Like, if that's just <laughs> from this point on, <laughs> we just we do this pod in fifteen years' time, and we're reflecting upon thirteen Premier League titles, two Champions nice. League. How old are we going to be in thirty? Years? You'll you'll be fifty, and I'll be in my forties. Oh, oh God, Jeez. don't even want to think about that. And then there'll be the new version of us in our early twenties, going, "Oh, them old blokes! Look how out of touch they are." I think they already exist, mate. Annoyingly. Oh. We need to get on. Should we, should we make a TikTok? You no. can do. You can do some dances. You can be like that. You know the family that that dad <laughs> that dances, <laughs> dances with his sons. Have you seen him? That, uh, yeah, I think I know who you're on about. Yeah, yeah, the absolute melon. Like I don't know how he does it, but you you can you can do some of that for us. Well. You know the ones that get me on TikTok are the um are the like middle aged men who sit there and like have these apparently like randomized things coming off of like football team names and they've got like left foot right foot or like shirt fans history and it's just a bloke sat in a like a office chair recording these things going oh let me flex my knowledge of football and it's they pick like the same five things every time but they get millions of views and i just i don't get it i don't i don't understand how this is a thing and people watch it and, and everything but it is what it is this we're, is we're old now well, this is the funny thing for me. I think, re I honestly think really truthfully, honestly, 
TikTok is the first thing, like the first get- kind of thing, yeah, that I'm suddenly like, I, I don't quite get it. Because it's kind of like, well, we had Vine before. So like, why is this? Like, I don't, how is this different to Vine? People are like, well, it just is because you can do all this other shit. And I'm like, but I don't, I just don't get, but they're only like six second videos. Well, no, you can actually do some minute long videos. So why are you doing that then and not putting it on Instagram? And I'm suddenly like, I don't, I don't get how TikTok has just invaded the space in the way that it has. And it's so massive now. But you know what? One of the things I've learned to accept as I've started to get older is you don't have to get everything. You don't have to. Sometimes just let it wash over you in a in a wave of serenity and just go for a walk. Go for a walk. Look at the woods. Look at the trees and dream of seeing Hugo Lloris lifting the Champions League trophy on a warm summer's evening lifting the Champions League trophy in one of the like the meccas of European football in the Bernabeu or somewhere like that, running around, seeing all the fans there, the ticker tape all over the pitch. It's out there, right? It exists out there in the universe. We just have to manifest it. We have to rub enough lemons, as Pochettino wanted us to do, <laughs> and we can make it the case. Um, I, I, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right to do a pod review without asking before we do bring it to a close because we have been recording for an hour and a half now yeah um what are you watching on telly at the moment or do you just not get to anymore because he's job no i do watch it but i watch tv with my wife more than anything now oh yeah so i don't you know we used to anything that had ever come on like hbo or showtime or something we'd watched (laughs) it before it ever come out and stuff like yeah just not a fucking chance mate I'm, i'm only like three episodes into the new series of Atlanta. Like I just haven't had the time to watch that on my own. It's brilliant by the way. And I've enjoyed I've every single it yet, Yeah. It's so good. It's on Disney plus. I just, there's an episode, uh, the last one I watched, they went to um, Amsterdam and it was, <laughs> they, it was a joke about the fact that they always do the weird blackface thing around Christmas. And it makes it even funnier for me because I went in November last year and had the whole, we were there the day that, Father Christmas is going down the river and there's all the kids in blackface and I'm just saying, my wife going, yeah. yeah, I'm just going, what the, f- what the fuck is going on? Like, how is this okay? Like, why is everyone laughing and joking? Like, this is, I thought we'd completed blackface now. Why is everyone still doing this? And it was, it was even weirder because we'd just come out of the Anne Frank house and then we came out and everyone's in blackface and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, <laughs> This it is was, a juxtaposition of like, like, yeah. I genuinely, like, I don't think we've smoked weed enough to for this to have like happened to us. Like, I don't know what's going on. This fever dream, it was mad, but they've done an entire episode about it. It's brilliant. Um, let me have a quick look at my Netflix. What have I watched recently? I watched the latest Bill Burr special that I texted you about. Yeah, that was really brilliant. good. I really enjoyed that. Um, the thing I love about him is right because I know there's been bits clipped up about him yeah. kind of god I'm I'm the guy dying on the hill of defending like the, the comic aren't I but still I think things are being clipped up out of context about Bill Burr I think Bill Burr's whole shtick and the reason why I really love Bill Burr is because I think he's upfront about the fact that he has quite a lot of as we say gammon thoughts about things <laughs> he's a man in his 50s you know at the end yeah. of the day who has born in a completely different time that was probably from a pretty sort of rough background and everything like that. And I think he's fully aware of the fact that the way he processes stuff a lot of the times, his immediate reaction to things is incorrect. And so much of his stand up now, and especially if you listen to his pod as well, 
is all centered around the fact that since he's been kind of in therapy and just growing and trying to be a better person, everything like that is about unpicking like his internal like monologue and the reasons why these kind of thoughts manifest, but sometimes they still just manifest. And I don't think he's sort of, he's, he's different to me. He's different to the, the Rogans and all that lot who are sort of unapologetic in their views, unapologetically, self-assured that what they are saying is right no there's not and they they have this idea that everything that they say is like the divine truth that anybody that doesn't agree with them is just some posturing woke snowflake and all this type of shit it's it it isn't like that with burr 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 is just uh, to me he's spouting off a lot of his yeah at times problematic fucking shit about stuff but i think it's always underpinned with this sort of idea that he's not always right and i do also think he often goes back on a lot of the stuff he's saying and kind of unpicks his own kind of problems in that like well you're saying that and you're stupid for saying that because of x y and z reasons i don't know i just think he's very good i think yeah this latest special is very good and was it paper tiger his last one which was yeah actually filmed over here <laughs> i'll tell you what i went to that actually i went to one of the the strains of that i can't remember if it made it into the into the special or or not the the filmed version of it, but yeah, he was just like he just sort of stopped. It was one of those bits like in between, like he'd just done one of his monologues and he was going to move on to the next one. But he was just kind of getting his composure, you know, have has a sip of water, walking around stage a bit, and he just goes, you know, <laughs> I've been over in the UK now for a couple of weeks, and uh, you guys are pretty fat too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just moves on to his next section but like it's i don't know i i, I love him but um yeah what else have you watched mate um we watched this weird documentary on netflix about some guy who did revenge porn the most hated guy on the internet oh, i haven't watched that. that yet i haven't watched that yeah is he a yeah, piece of shit is he yeah, is he... yeah absolute dickhead yeah yeah absolute wrong and horrible bloke um not allowed on the internet anymore um for good reasons uh, but yeah, that was interesting. Um, oh, series I remember watching. We watched one, a new, a new one with Neil Patrick Harris, where he's in New York and he's like a middle-aged gay man, and his long-term partner leaves him, um, and it's him sort of navigating that for ten episodes. It's kind of half comedy, half not. It's, uh, it's decent enough. It passed the time. Um, what else did we watch? Um, I don't know. I've watched. I just watch random stuff on Netflix and stuff. We one thing that we kind of watch when we like have nothing else to watch. You know, like a just like a mind-numbing thing that you can like just half watch with your phone in your hand. We watch Love Island. No, we. I've luckily this is the first year that we've managed to not watch that because we were on holidays while it started, so she didn't really get going with it. So I managed to just avoid that, which is welcome. Um. We watched that Dream Holiday, Dream Home Makeover, I think it's called. Okay. It's like this, I think they're called Studio McGee or something. This woman and her irritating husband. Watch it just for, just for one episode for me, please. So if you can divulge what the bloke actually brings to it, I'd love to know. The wife seems to do everything. He just seems to be there to make shit jokes. Is it? Sounds like me, mate. Sounds like my marriage dynamic, <laughs> to be fair. But 
Um, is it anything like Selling Sunsets? Did you watch that? No, no, no. It's, That's it's decent, different. man. I love Selling Sunsets. I'm, yeah, I'm not the missus watch that on her own. She watches that one on her own. Um, but I'd imagine it's one that I'd get far too into. I've kind of got better as I've got older of being more self-aware of the things that I'm going to... I know I'll enjoy too much. It's going to so be a time sink. Of, yeah, I kind of leave it away from myself. Please, please tell me you've watched Better Call Saul. No, I haven't even started it. Oh, mate. Okay. I need to. This is one of the things that's just fallen through the cracks. There's so many things that have fallen through the cracks. Um, but yeah, I watched that. Um, I definitely would say to to do something. It's pretty. It's pretty special. Oh no, the lads it's, all watch it and they say it's brilliant. And I just yeah, just not a chance. It's um, really quite profound and brilliant. I'm watching. Um, did you ever watch Midnight Mass on Netflix? No. Is that the I've, film? No, it's uh, it's like a, a limited series. Um, it's it's sort of written and it's like the Passion Project. It's written and directed by the guy who also did that film Hush. I don't know if you saw that one. It was about like the deaf woman and there was like a masked intruder and all that type of stuff. Sounds a bit like typical horror film cliche, but it was actually a decent film. Um, oh, I'll tell you what, I, I watched the other recently that was good. I texted you about it, The Black Phone. Yeah, I lo- I really enjoyed that. That really freaked me the fuck that. out. I've yeah. not been that freaked out in a cinema for a long time. Like I, I, that, I've, that. I've seen a few of the like criticisms being like, oh, "What's all this? Like, why are the ghost kids and all this sort of shit?" It's like, but it's just it's like Shining, isn't it? It's like it's yeah. almost like something set in the Shining universe. Like, just suspend kind of. It's written by the son of Stephen King, yeah, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's clearly it's, sort yeah, of it's creepy. It's creepy. His father's I, legs. I, I, and I, Ethan Hawke's fucking brilliant in it as well, yeah, man. He's just getting better and better as he gets on. There's a film that he's in. Uh, fuck, I can't remember it. It's, he's, he plays a priest. It's like a priest having a crisis of faith and everything like that. I can't remember the name of it. It's supposed to be like sublime. Um, oh, no, it rings a bell. It rings a bell. I've not seen that, but it does ring a bell. But yeah, Mid- Midnight Mass is decent. It, it feels a bit basic. If you kind of you watch the trailer and they're sort of trying to lure you in as in like, oh, it's a horror monster th- scare thing. But it's not... It's not really that at all. It's actually like a really interesting sort of musing on kind of life, death, morality, um, spiritual beliefs. It's 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 really actually taking me by surprise. It's something that I kind of have put on because um, the missus has been away and she's not she doesn't really like stuff like that. Um, sort of horror themed stuff I kind of thought well alright I'll just slap this on and like you say something I can sort of half watch Mark Kermode's been going on about it as well so I just thought alright I'll half watch it um, but it's actually sucked me in a lot um, do you still really, listen really to good. Kermode and Mayo their new podcast I do yeah yeah I do I'm... I know I'm one to talk having made this for you for 10 years right but I, I, I listened to the first one of it I'd not listened to their five live show for ages <laughs> Just because I just didn't have the time to listen all the time, but I thought, oh, I'll, I'll listen to the new thing because it's new and I've seen that they're doing something and it'll be interesting. And I was doing it while I could clean the house and stuff, and I think the missus was at work or whatever, so I just cleaning the house on my Todd. It takes me a couple of hours. I take my time over stuff, get a bit you know anal about whatever, putting place things here and dusting and hoovering and whatever else. And I realised that I'd finished doing the entire house top to bottom in whatever pernickety manner I wanted to, and they were still fucking talking. And I was like, how are you still going? What what are you talking about now? Like, And I was like, I do not have, I enjoyed it. I was happy. It passed the time. I didn't get annoyed at all. But I was just, by the end of it, I was like, I don't have time to commit to 
two and a half, three hours of this every week. Who has the time to do this? I'm not one of those people that can listen to people talk while I'm doing other things, unless it's driving. Like if I'm working or whatever, because I deal with words and whatever else so much of the time, like I can't do it. it. It throws me off. So that's a large part of my day that is non-podcast heavy, but fucking just edit yourselves a little bit. And then I think I got to the end of it. And the thing where I was like, I can't be doing this. They were like, oh, and if you want the extra bit with the uncut stuff in, I was like, what the fuck <laughs> else have you got to say? What more is there to say? What other features and shit have you got? I was just like, Jesus Christ. There are people who are probably sat there listening to five, six hours of them per week. I just, I, I, I couldn't get my head around it, mate. I was, I was baffled by it. I was just like, there's, this is too much content. It's good, but it's too much. Make it an hour and be done with it. Do you know? I'm surprised it's that that's, uh, that's wound you up more, and not. And this is the, this is the constant bugbear I've had with Kermode Mayo's podcast for years, five live and this new version. Is why is it that every single person that emails into them so unbearably twee? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Though? Like, why is do you think it is? Do you think it is that, or do you think that that's the ones they pick? That's like they it, love it. It could potentially be that, but like, there's there's a lot of like didn't happen at a year award type. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. 13 and I'm writing in in this sort of erudite, eloquent fashion. I'm like bollocks, number one, <laughs> I, and also shut up. Um, there is something about their kind of patter that I like. I, do, I tell you what I found lately, though, as he, as he's gotten older, I find that, like, I agree with Kermode like, a lot a lot less now. Yeah, I don't yeah. agree with him as much anymore. I find a lot of his takes on film actually quite woeful nowadays. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're... They seem like decent people. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, this, look, I... I enjoyed spending that couple of hours with them. That they passed the time lovely while I, they, that weekend morning that I cleaned the house and whatever else and had the headphones on. But I just didn't have time to commit to them for that long. Like I could see myself getting annoyed at them. Like if I'm looking at my phone and I see it's like two and a half hours, I just that dread of, oh god, I've got to listen to this sort of a thing. I just, I, was, I just cut it off there and then I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I've, I've become a lot more selective in the sort of shit i listen to and when i listen to it and i don't i listen to almost zero football podcasts now other than the things i make and i don't even listen to them back i just do them like i listen to a lot of american sports things because they're so different to what i do day in day out and stuff i like a lot of narrative podcasts i think they've got a lot better the documentary style stuff and the story style ones i think they're you know finding their groove a lot um, and there's a really good, that's a really good format for stuff if they're done well, sort of 45 minute episodes. And as long as they're well edited and there's only like eight episodes in the thing rather than it being an endless stuff, I think they're really intent- entertaining. And, and I like, because it's, it's such a commitment of time, I actually want to feel like I've gained something afterwards. Mm. And sometimes I don't with stuff. and you know, we've been sat here for however fucking long and nobody's gained anything from us two talking shit. So I realise the hypocrisy of it all, but But that's it, isn't it? It's just a it's a comfort blank. Even if we're on right now talking while you're while you listening right I'm now falling asleep, having a shit. You're having a shit or you're just kind of hoovering the house or something like that, you know. We're we're here. We're in your ears. 
And uh, we're here to If you are hoovering the house, I hope you've dusted first because you've got to dust the house before you hoover. That's People true. who dust afterwards or never dust, you've got fucking dirty houses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so please dust. Where are you? Uh, where are you watching the game on Sunday, mate? Um, hopefully, if I am watching it, it'll be at home. Um, if I don't watch it, then my missus is making me do something with her, which is fine. No, you got to watch it. It's Chelsea. It's massive. Oh yeah, I'll catch up. I, I've, you know what? Given sort of the one thing, I don't really spend money unnecessarily because I'm from Yorkshire and I'm brown. Um, <laughs> but um. One thing that I do, I've trekked myself to is I've got all the sports packages and I've paid for Ultra HD as well because I've got a big fancy new telly that I really enjoy. And it's one of the only things that I got to pick for the house and it's glorious. And like when the missus like saw what I wanted, she was kind of like, do we really need that? Is it going to make any difference to what we've currently got? I'm like, one, it's about 25 inches bigger than what we've currently got. And she's like, does it really matter? And then like we sat there and like five minutes into the first film we watched in whatever the fuck quality it was she kind of turned to me which she rarely does and just went oh you're right you were right about this this is fucking brilliant um so i've got all that so i like when i do watch the game from home fuck me it's fun like it looks so good and like the quality of it's amazing uh so i do get to hope i what get to watch it on that uh if i'm being honest fucking uh, we'll see. bring it on well mate it's been an absolute pleasure let's uh let's try and you know try and get another one in soon enough to revel in uh, if it's not reveling in our victory against Chelsea it's reveling in, in our unbeaten run till <laughs> whatever point we next uh, you know podcast but yeah it's always a pleasure mate it's been a good trip down memory lane I feel like this has been a real one for the one for the old school rule the roost listeners tonight because this yeah, of is course. apologies to all the people who listen when it's just Jack making better stuff recently and thank no. you to you mate you you, uh, you keep this thing afloat and uh, very much of the heart and soul of this endeavour nowadays I've literally just fuck all other than turn up every few months so. we've gone we've gone back and forwards on that in that role haven't we mate down the years so you know it's always going to be a it is an institution right <laughs> good night everybody fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com